Do you remember the first time that you ever stood out on the end of one of these? Remember the first time? Can you connect it all with maybe the fear, anxiety, uncertainty, the apprehension of that? You know, it's funny how certain memories from our childhood are particularly vivid. You know how that works? I, I think it was about seven years old when I went with my friends to West Park Pool in the summer in my hometown of Park Ridge. All my friends were there. My big brother was there. Really, that's where everyone went in a hot summer day. And my friends and I decided to go check out the diving boards. There was a one-meter board and a three-meter board pretty much like this. And from a distance, that three-meter board really didn't seem that big of a deal. I mean, we watched others jump off it, and we're all saying, I could jump off that thing. So one of us says, well, let's go do it, because we hadn't before. And that brought a whole different dimension to this matter. Because we're now moving from the theoretical to the practical, to applied truth. And so we just kind of walked up alongside of the pool, passed by the one-meter board, and went right to the three-meter. And I remember getting in line, I just have this picture in my memory of just kids in line, 10 or 15 long, something like that. And, and so it was taking a bit of a while. And, and we were there, my friends and I acting like this was no big deal. And, and really just, we'd already jumped from the side of the pool. How big a deal would it be jumping off of this thing? And we joked about, kind of made fun of those hesitating about jumping ahead of us. And then it fell all of a sudden, it was my turn. Started climbing those steps and walking out on that diving board. And what an amazing difference that made. Because the water just felt like so far below now. Walked to the end of that diving board and did, hesitated, kind of gulped, knees shaken. With my friends behind me saying to me now, come on, jump. And even though I was young, I knew that jumping off that board was just a reasonable thing to do. There was a sound basis for jumping into the water. I'd seen my brother jump off many times. But the last thing that made sense to me at that moment was jumping off that board. But there was no way I was backing off of it. Then I heard my big brother yell from below, hey, you can do it. So finally, with prayers being lifted up to the heavens, <laughs> I jumped. And in my mind, I, I kind of remember it being slow motion, like stomach going to my throat, and then cool water. And the wonder was, I lived. Didn't drown, didn't pass out. It, it was actually fun. In fact, it was such a thrill. I climbed out of the pool, got right back in line, and could not believe some of these people were afraid of jumping off that thing. <laughs> and the whole group of my friends and us, for the rest of the summer, going to that pool and taking that leap over and over again. Because you probably know this. In life, there are some things that you just cannot understand how good they are until you take the step, until you make the leap, until you try. So let's bring that to us. I mean, one thing we have seen regularly around here and try to remind ourselves of regularly here when we go to God's Word is that everyone who is a follower of Jesus, everyone is called by Scripture a priest, a minister. For example, just one of the places that's expressed is in the book of Revelation. This is in Revelation 1. Listen to what John wrote. And as you hear it, remember, this is the word of God. John wrote in verse 5. 
to Jesus who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us, that us being us, followers of Jesus, he has made us a kingdom and what else? Read it with me. Priests to God, his Father. He's made us priests. So we regularly remind ourselves here, I'm not the priest here. Our pastoral staff are not the priests. No, through faith in Jesus Christ, look around. We all are priests. We all are ministers. We all are instruments of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. That's reality. Okay. Now it's one thing to accept that truth about who you are in kind of theoretical terms. Okay, I, I can see, I can see from this how God says I'm a priest, a minister, as much as Clyde is. I, I get that. It's one thing to accept that as a principle. But it's quite another thing to take that truth and actually step out to the end of the diving board of priestly ministry and jump in. I mean, it's one thing to accept the fact that God has called you to serve, that God has called you to go all in in serving others. But it's quite another thing to then step out with your knees knocking, your stomach turning, and hopefully with others encouraging you on, and actually make the leap and jump in to serve. Listen what the Apostle Paul said about this in his letter to the church in Rome. This is Romans 12. In fact, I want to read it from the message translation so perhaps you hear it anew. Paul wrote this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, taking your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That's what I want you to do, Paul says. I, I want you to take that step. I want you to jump in with your whole being. Because through faith in Christ, you are a priest. You are a servant of God. And, and that's not based on your spiritual performance, but on the grace and forgiveness given freely to you through Jesus Christ. Because remember this, in Jesus, your identity has changed. A spiritual transformation has taken place. This is a new reality for you. Okay, then, what do I therefore do? Well, Paul gives us some next steps back in Romans 12. This is in verse 3. He says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one among you, first, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it means, Paul is essentially saying, I want you to start considering with sober judgment, how has God designed me? I want you to reflect on that, Paul says. So when you're thinking about how to jump, how to serve, how to express your priestly gifts, how to live beyond yourself, a good place for each one of us to start is by asking, okay, what do I understand about who God has made me to be? Think about that. What do I understand about the capabilities that God has given me? Reflect on that, his word says. And Paul doesn't end there. He continues on saying this in verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, 
So we, we in the body of Christ, though many, we're one body in Jesus, and individually we're members of one another. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us keep them protected and safe. No, he says, let us what? Okay, there were five of us there. Let us what? You Use them, he says. Let us use these gifts. Now, that word gifts, in the original Greek, you probably know the word, is charisma. You want to say it? Charisma. It, it literally means graces. That's another word for this. You've been receiving graces, gifts. What does that mean? Keep your finger in Romans 12. Just flip to the right. Next book, 1 Corinthians. Go to chapter 6 in 1 Corinthians, and let's look there at what Paul says there. He expands on this idea, and he writes this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body, think of this, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. Again, the Holy Spirit, incredible, actually indwells. He is uniquely present within those who have turned in faith to Jesus. And one of the fruits of God's Spirit being present within you is this, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, that word manifestation, what it means is an expression, an expression of the Spirit, a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Now, these manifestations are also called in Scripture, like back in Romans 12, gifts, charisma, a demonstration of the Holy Spirit, a spiritual gift. Now, I want us to be kind of clear on this. Not kind of clear. I want us to be clear on this. Okay, so what's a spiritual gift? For one, I think we could put it this way. Here's one definition. A spiritual gift is not just a skill. Be clear on that. But it is a special supernatural capability that God gives to each of his children so that together we can advance his purposes in the world. And I want you to notice it's called a capability. That's a good way to refer to it because typically your spiritual gifts are not immediate, fully expressed abilities. They are capabilities. Meaning for one, that guides us in understanding you need to build that gift. You need to use it. You need to exercise it for it to grow in full expression in your life. You can kind of compare it to a muscle. You might have a muscle, but if you don't exercise it, nothing will happen. To build it, you have to exercise it, similar to a spiritual growth. All right? <clears throat> so test question, right in the middle of this, all right? Key question. Let's ask then, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to Christ, do you need to ask the question, have I been given a spiritual gift or gifts? No, really. That question is answered, Paul says. He says to each one, meaning no Christ follower is left out of this. And understand, why have you been given those gifts? He says right here. It's for the common good, right? Understand, you've been given that gift, that grace, that manifestation, not primarily for self-fulfillment, not primarily for personal happiness, although there is great joy in using your gifts, but for the benefit of all. And that's why Paul says, Scripture encourages, exhorts us, that we're to consider and discern together, what has God gifted me to do? According to his grace that's at work in my life. So we ask, all right, so how do I do that? 
How do I discern where I serve? That's a great question. So pull out that in insert right there that's called the all-in spiritual gift assessment. Would you pull it out? And I'm going to have the ushers right now. If you didn't get one of these when you came in, could you just raise our, your hand? Our ushers are going to come down the aisle. We'll just hand one down to you. I'd like each one of us to have one of these to be able to look at as we go through this together. Just raise your hand and up here in the front as well. Over here, Ken, thank you. All right. So could you do this? Uh, as you have it or as you're receiving one uh, right here, could you just open that assessment to the middle page there, the one with the listing that's called spiritual gifts? All right, because, because as we're trying to serve, discern how do I serve God, really a first question that we can ask in our journey of serving is, okay, what are my spiritual gifts? That's a great question to be asking. And again, in Romans 12, Romans 12 tells us that each one of us, we have different spiritual gifts. And, and then it goes on to give us a sampling, some examples of what some of the spiritual gifts are. So I want to kind of note a few of those in Romans chapter 12. And while we're doing that, while we're going through that list, you can be doing this. Scan through this list here of spiritual gifts. Now, this list is larger than the one in Romans 12 because spiritual gifts are mentioned at various points in Scripture. There's no one complete list at any point. So we have different pictures of the spiritual gifts. So just look through this list and begin considering, even now, okay, which two or three of these do you think, again, you're, you're just estimating at this point, might be your gifts? Okay, just start looking at that. And, and as we go to Romans 12, understand Romans 12 gives us seven examples there of spiritual gifts. This is what it says in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If your gift is prophecy, use it in proportion to your faith. So prophecy is one of the gifts. And prophecy, again, that can be expressed as someone who is gifted in foretelling, meaning they can speak of events to come, or it can be expressed as kind of foretelling, speaking God's truth into a specific situation. So that's just one of the spiritual gifts. And there are other gifts. Verse 7, if service in our serving, you might have the gift of serving, or the one who teaches, if that's your gift, use that gift in your teaching. Because the gifts are all different among us. And in fact, a while back, I was uh, working on a sermon at a Starbucks locally, which I tend to do, and, and a friend who was an executive pastor at another church, he was also doing some of his work at that Starbucks. And, and before leaving, he kind of wrapped up, came over to me, stared at me for a moment and said, I am so glad I don't have to teach every week. Give me staff conflict every day. Why would he say that? Because his gifting is in leadership and administration, not in teaching. And praise God, we have different gifts in the body of Christ, amen? And, and so moralistic, look at verse 8 there. Paul says this, the one who exhorts, if you have the gift of exhortation or encouragement, let them use that gift in exhortation. The one who contributes, if you have the gift of giving, do it in generosity. The one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Because every one of those can be a spiritual gift expressed in our life. And again, as you hear those, if you're wondering, okay, so what do those gifts look like? Well, again, look through the definitions that are given, kind of descriptions there, briefly so, on the inside list, to give you a picture of what they are. 
and I know this, a, a common question comes up when we start talking about spiritual gifts is, okay, so will my spiritual gifts, will those line up with my profession or other abilities I have in life? And I think we can say this from Scripture. At, at times, people's gifts do line up with their profession or skills. Other times, they just don't. Because as you see, as you try to figure out, discern where you're going to jump in and serve, it might be that it's something in an area you would just expect in line of what your vocation is. But it could be something you wouldn't expect at all, really. You want, look at a biblical example, Moses. Moses called and gifted by God to lead a nation. But think of this, when God first came to Moses with that calling, Moses said, essentially, here I am, God, send Aaron. I don't really want to do this. Also, Moses is a guy who stuttered when he spoke. I mean, you today, in our assessments, you would never think that Moses was a natural guy to lead a nation. But the Holy Spirit was upon Moses. The Holy Spirit was empowering, enabling him to lead, to bring fruit in that way. It might be unexpected. You might know the name of John Ortberg. He's a gifted, an international Bible teacher. And he shares that the first three times he got up to preach at a church, he was so nervous and uncertain that he literally fainted on the stage. First three times. And, and these weren't in Pentecostal churches where you get extra credit for that kind of thing. <laughs> it wasn't a slain in the spirit. It was just fear, boom, down he goes. You would think after two times you'd go, I think I'm going to serve in children's ministry. He, he felt a calling from God on his life in that way. You never would have guessed at the first take that God had uniquely gifted him in teaching. It can go like that. On the other hand, in Scripture, you have the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Apostle Paul, before he became a Christ follower, he was a Jewish expert in the law. He was a zealous defender of Phariseeism. Had a razor-sharp mind and intellect. And then after he became a follower of Jesus, he put that brilliant mind and those intellectual skills to work, explaining to people why Jesus was God in the flesh, why Jesus was the Son of God. He became a zealous defender of Christ, which was so consistent with his temperament and roles in the past, right? So understand, sometimes the area you're gifted in and are passionate about is something you would expect. Other times, it might be an area you wouldn't expect. So really, a, a first question to ask with sober judgment is, okay, Father, what are my spiritual gifts? Reflect on that. Because we each need to discern what our gifts are in this. And, and truly, I tell you this, the best way to discern that is by trying them out. So really, I just suggest this. I suggest you take this and just go through it and maybe circle two or three gifts that are on this inside list that you might think might be your spiritual gifts. And, and I want you to know, that's not being arrogant. You're just kind of making an educated guess at this point. And if you're thinking, boy, I, I'm, I'm not sure. What if I'm wrong in this? That's totally fine. I mean, as you try out that gift, you'll be informed by that. I mean, you've learned something of importance. You might try it, and after a while go, you know what? This is not an area of gifting for me. Great. You have a better idea. You keep experimenting. Keep listening to God. And you try things, and eventually, you will taste and see where God has gifted you.
What are my spiritual gifts? That's a great first question to ask as we serve. Okay? There's a second question, though, that we need to ask as well. And it's, where will I use my spiritual gifts? Essentially, okay, where am I going to jump in and serve? And to help us answer that, would you turn to the back page of your assessment where those 10 colored blocks are? Just look at that for a moment. And in each one of those blocks there, they represent a different passion area, area of interest. And, and they're, understand, they're connected to, but they're not limited to, the areas of our church's ministry. Because the use of your spiritual gift is not limited to the organized church ministry. Right? The use of your spiritual gift is not limited to just organized church ministry. Okay, now, now this list here, it doesn't list every single kind of ministry, but almost all ministries could kind of fit under one of these blocks here. And understand, every gift that's on the inside list here, as you go through it, every one of those gifts can be used in nearly every one of these 10 blocks as you look at it together. Okay, so, so how do you use this assessment? Again, this is just the tool, and we're going to put it on our website this week if that would be a help to you. So for instance, here's how you can use this. You might go through this and say, you know what, I, I think I have the gift of helps. I, I, I love working my hands in that way, and I have a heart for it. I just, I'm passionate about using a gift in newcomers and guest services here in that red box. I mean, that's an area I want to look into. That'd be one way to do it. Or you might go through this and say, no, you know what? I have the gift of hospitality, I think. In, in my heart, what kind of ignites me is nurturing spiritual growth, I'm that light green box there. And, and let me just say in that, boy, we're always needing individuals to be small group hosts. We're needing individuals to work in our alpha ministry, to be table leaders and helpers in that. That's a great way to connect. In fact, in the fall, we're starting up alpha again. There'll be a training time that as you hear about that, that would be a great place for you to go to see, could that be a place where I use my gift, where my passion is expressed? Or you might go through this and you look through this list and for you, you'd say, you know what? I, I think my gifting might be in the area of craftsmanship and, it, and my passion in that. I, I just love to see how God uses the arts in the lives of people. So that's what I'm going to lean into. And if you're thinking as I say that, craftsmanship, okay, is there such a gift as that? Oh, there is. In fact, this is so good. I, I love this passage. Turn to the book of Exodus. Exodus 31. This is a great passage to underline. Exodus 31 in verse 1, this is what we read there. The Lord said to Moses, see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all what? Craftsmanship from the spirit of God to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work every craft. Understand this. Craftsmanship might be a spiritual gifting God has given you to build up the body of Christ. And understand, the beauty of God's design in all of this, in all we're looking at, is it might be that you might think of or initiate a ministry. You might start serving in a way that we haven't even thought of yet. In fact, some women in our church body with mercy, craftsmanship gifts, who, who also have a passion for caring for others, on their own, they began a ministry where they knit and crochet together. That's not the good part. Specifically, they gather to knit these beautiful prayer shawls that they pray over as they are knitting them. And then they give those prayer shawls to those in our church body who are going through health challenges or other times of suffering. 
and they want it to be a physical reminder that as you are covered in this prayer shawl, remember, we are covering you in prayer. They came up with that. Just a profound expression of Christ's kingdom. Now, I know that some of you might already be serving, and, and as you're looking at this area on the back blocks, you might look at it and go, you know what? Right now, I'm serving in the orange box, but that red box, that's really where my heart is. And I want you to know, you don't need this, but I give you permission. Check out the red box. Go for it. And really understand, if it would be of any help in your process to discernment in this, at the bottom of that back page, we have a website listed there. You can go to that website. There's an assessment you can take at Spiritual Gifts Inventory, just as another tool to help you discern where might God be guiding me in my gifts and passion. And as we talk about this, remember that in all of this we talk about it regarding serving, there is this larger, there's an overarching principle over all of this. That as we serve, our attitude is to be that of a servant. That's it. So for example, if your gift is teaching and someone is in a crisis and needs help, you don't say, sorry, my gift is teaching. I don't do mercy. That's, that's on me. <laughs> because sometimes we need to step in to serve simply because we're servants, right? Which is just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. So friends in this, if you're wondering, Clyde, why are we talking about this in a time of year when many of us are, are going off on holidays, heading out of town, maybe taking a break in some way? It's because you still use your gifts as you travel, right? It is every day of the year you're using your spiritual gifts. And then additionally, we want to bring it up now so that as you prayerfully look at the fall, you might think, where might I serve then? And I know that some of you, you've jumped. You're in the pool of serving. I just today just want to say way to go on that. And I think for others of you, you're on the diving board. And you might have been there for a long time hesitating. And I know for some of you, you're afraid in this because you're afraid. I'm going to start trying to serve in an area. I'm going to be stuck there for 10 years. You won't be. It, I, you can try it out. You can say, this isn't for me. I invite you to go to our website. We have a listing there of ministry leaders that you can connect with to answer some questions. And I, I'll tell you in this, I have a, a level of pastoral concern in this. And I, my concern is that some of you could go an entire lifetime and never take this jump. Never step out. You could never go all in in serving God using your spiritual gifts. I mean, you might never know what it is to have that incredible sense that you are using a gift that God himself placed in you to build his kingdom. So today, really, and through this series, above all, I hope you've heard just the voice of your loving Heavenly Father just encouraging you Jump. Jump in. Serve me. Because you will never know how your serving might express God to another. You will never fully know. A member of our church family shared a story with me just about a week ago of a ministry her previous church out in B.C. had been a part of. 
and one of the ways that that church started to serve the community around them was by providing a Christmas Eve dinner for families who were new to Canada, who might not have any family or friends in the area. They just didn't want these people to be alone on Christmas Eve. And really the church's hard intent for that dinner was to make these families who are new to our country just feel welcome, valued. So they set up each table at the dinner, kind of was decorated uniquely, kind of festively, and each family there that attended, they were waited on, they were served throughout the dinner by a volunteer from the church. And, and one of the church members, I'll call him David, hosted one of those tables. And David's table was a new Muslim family to our country. And this family knew no one in Canada. So throughout the night, David just waited on them. He just served them all through the evening. And then at the end of the night, this Muslim father approached David, took his hand, and said to him, as you served us, we saw your God. As you served us, we saw your God. And friends, I want you to know that what that Muslim father experienced can be experienced by anyone whom we, who, whom you serve. And whether it be an organized ministry here or just your own serendipitous kind of God-prompted opportunities where you just step forward to serve, even just through the normal, ordinary flow of your week. To hear, as you served us, we saw your God. May it be? So let me pray to that end. And just before I pray, can I prompt us with those questions we ask regularly here? Can you just prayerfully ask in this time of silence, what is God saying to me? Just ask, what is God saying to me? Then that second question, what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? So Father, again, we thank you for the wonder, the blessing that you would choose to express your gospel, your kingdom through us. And I would pray, Father, by your grace, through the empowering of your Holy Spirit, you would give us both eyes to see where we can serve you and hearts that would be filled with boldness to step forward and serve. Again, whether it be an organized ministry or just your prompting throughout the days, whether we travel or at home, wherever we would be, use us to that end, we pray, Father, that truly together we pray, Father, by your grace and through your spirit, we collectively would look like Jesus in Calgary. Let us be an expression of him, we pray, so that he would be exalted. And this we ask together in his name. And again, all God's people say, amen. amen.